turn to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. We're going to focus on verses 3 and 4 today. And then next week we'll look at how we're to deal with outsiders, those outside the church. And we live in such a day where I think the church has forgotten what God has commanded us to do in relationship to those that are on the outside looking in when it comes to the church. Now, before we get to the message today, uh, if you remember last week, we introduced Redemption Church Ministry Teams. And so going forward in 2023, we're going to have teams that are led by you guys. And so we need you all to nominate leaders for the ministry teams. If you want to see something accomplished by our church, we need a leader or a group of leaders, and then that group will recruit the team members. And so it's a way to organize ministry moving forward. You, you've heard women's ministry, men's ministry, student ministry, children's ministry, music ministry, and the list goes on and on. Noah, I think you had a good idea. Uh, community engagement ministry, uh, first impressions ministry, that's why we've got some coffee. That doesn't get out there by itself. Uh, we have a group that actually every Sunday uh, works to prepare that. And this is how we want to help each other, equip each other for ministry. And so as of right now, I have four cards four nominations and so I want you to be praying about this I want you to fill this out there are no wrong answers right now if you nominate somebody without their permission that would be wrong but we want we want to hear from you all what, what do you want to see done it has to line up with our mission does anybody remember our mission make disciples who make disciples here near and far right pretty simple Pretty simple, and there's a lot of ways ministry lines up with that mission, with that overall mission. So I want to hear from you. All right, if you have questions, obviously, please ask. Please ask. And then just a side note, listen, thank you for the cards for uh, the birthday. Depending on where I sit, I'm either really old or I'm really young. Right? With the students, they think I'm ancient, but then I had a member today say, I'm 42 times over. So I'm encouraged and discouraged all in the same day. But uh, someone asked, did, did that... The getting close to 40 really affects you. I just want to, to share with you um, my view on age. Listen, I don't know how many years God's going to give me, but I can tell you this, when I was 18, when I was 25, when I turned 30, and now that I'm turning 40, my goal is that if I've got breath in my lungs, I want to live to the glory of God. And so for me, I don't care if it's at 40, I don't think I'll care if it's when I turn 50, if God blesses me for 10 more years, or 60, or 70, or 80. The goal's the same. And then, when he calls me home, I'm ready. I'm ready. And so that's how I view age with uh, the number. Um, I can't wait for my 40s. Right? When you said four decades, that puts it a little bit in perspective. I like that. Four decades old. I'm finally making it somewhere. All right. Colossians chapter 4. And I'm just going to read three verses, two through four. All right, Colossians chapter 4, 2 through 4. Here we go. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you help us look at your word and hear from you this morning. Help us be clear on the gospel. Help us be devoted to prayer. Lord, what an opportunity to approach your throne because of what Jesus has done for us. 
It's in his name we pray. Amen. So uh, last week we talked about uh, being devoted to prayer, and I, I thought it was interesting. You know, obviously that's a good thing. But you can also pray for the wrong things. And I know as we get closer to Christmas, um, you have these lists that you made for Santa, right? And sometimes we approach God like a heavenly Santa Claus. And our prayers reflect, God, I'd like this, 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 and this. Amen. That's not what we mean when we say devote yourselves to prayer. It reminds me of the time I had uh, my two brothers and a friend. We were at a small country church, and, and they wanted a basketball goal up. And I said, sure, we can, we can do this. So I'm cutting the grass, and, and my friend and my two brothers are putting up this basketball goal. And they get the bottom base on and put some weight in there, fill it up with sand, mix it in with water. It's starting to, to get somewhere. But then they have to lean it over to get the backboard on. Well, there's one ladder at this church, <clears throat> and the ladder was too tall. And so they couldn't put it on the top step, so they put it through the ladder. And then they were able to bolt on the backboard, and it took forever to get it lined up, bolted on, tightened, straightened. And I'm coming around, and I see this project, and they go, how's it look? I go, man, it looks great. Just got one question. How are you going to get the ladder out? And at that point, it all hit them. They're just like, oh, we wasted so much time. And so they had to decide whether they wanted to take the heavy base off the goal or the heavy backboard off the goal. But both options were awful. When we say devote yourself to prayer, I love it that Paul doesn't let us guess at what he means. The Bible informs us on how we should pray. Do you guys remember the Lord's Prayer? The, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew? How does it start? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, right? And we've sung that this morning, right? Don't you love that? Holy, 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 holy forever. We serve a God who is high and lifted up, pure, holy, perfect. And yet in Christ, we can enjoy his presence for all eternity. And that song will never get old. It's an amazing thing. So, so we have that hallowed be your name. And then what it is, what is it? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Right? Now, here's my question. We used to say that prayer every time before our game at Thomas More College. Our basketball team was awful. We won five games. We lost about 16. So you could argue God did not hear that prayer. Right? It did not help our basketball team win any more games. Right? We just went through the memorization and just said it out loud. Now, for me, it meant something. This is what I want us to see. With your prayers, and that you're going to be devoted to praying, you have to be consumed with the kingdom of the Father and not our own kingdom. And so our prayers should first and foremost be, Lord, what is your will? Help me live that out. All right, so that's, that's one way that, that we want to be devoted to prayer. But then, you know how I talked about selfishness? In James 4, 3 through 4, James had a problem with the church praying. This is what he said. When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend it on yourself for your own pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. 
And so if your prayer is constantly for the stuff this world has to offer, if you're storing up treasures on earth, it fades. God doesn't answer those prayers. There's something better that we should be praying about. His kingdom, His will. And then we get this, and I, and I love this. Paul opens up Colossians praying for the church. Right? Did, did you know that, that we should be praying that God should fill us up with knowledge of Him? That we should see Jesus as the supreme treasure of, in all the world? Did, did you know we should be praying that for each other? That's what Paul says in Colossians 1. Now, in verses 3 and 4, who's he praying for? Praying for the lost. He's saying, hey church, I need you to pray that there's an open door. That, that I proclaim this message as I should. Don't you find that interesting? I do. No one planted as many churches as Paul planted. Wrote half of the New Testament. Everywhere he goes, he's telling people about Jesus. Why was he so effective? I would argue primarily it's because he was a man that was devoted to prayer. He recognized his dependence on the Son. And you see it in how he prays. If we want to be a church that reaches Covington here, in northern Kentucky and greater Cincinnati area near and then far it'll be because we are a church who prays for the will of God alright so I wanted to put that in as we start uh, this message number one pray this way that was last week being devoted in prayer being watchful we talked about there's four things that we need to be watchful for I'm not going to ask I don't have any multiple choice we'll just, I'll just give you the answers be watchful, not everyone has faith. There were enemies that, that they had to watch out for. There were some people that was attacking the church, and that's why Paul says in 2 Thessalonians, and pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. Not everybody's your buddy. Not everybody's your friend. And you need spiritual wisdom and guidance, so you need to be watchful. You also have to be watchful because sin will destroy you. This is the disciples in the garden. Jesus says, hey, stay awake, pray. The flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. They fell asleep, they fall into temptation, they ran from the sun. We have to be watchful. You want to know what will keep you from sinning? A life devoted to prayer. Be watchful. Next, you have to be watchful because you have an enemy that seeks to devour you. We see this in 1 Peter 5.8. Be alert, sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour that's some brutal language right there. You want to know the worst time to be in a fight is? When you don't know you're in a fight. Christian, you're in a fight. If you love Jesus and you're serious about telling someone about Jesus, you're in a fight. You have an enemy. And if he can't keep you quiet and them in darkness, he'll do everything to get you quiet and to keep them in darkness. And then finally, be watchful for an open door. And that's this context. Be watchful for an open door. And this is what Paul talks to us in verses 3 and 4. Um, some of you guys know Mr. Beersdorfer. Mr. Beersdorfer is one of the best teachers we have at Holmes High School. Um, he had a rough morning a couple of weeks ago. He shows up. He's a little bit late. He goes, man, you won't believe what I just did. And I said, what happened, man? It's still pretty early in the morning. You all right? He goes, man, I drove all the way across the river to Cincinnati and I go man you live right here in Fort Wright he goes I know 
He goes, I forgot I was going to school, and I didn't realize it until I said, this is the nice Ohio River. And he said, why am I looking at the river this morning? He turns back around and comes. You want to know why? He was just going through the motions. I don't want us to pray by going through the motions. Right? We pray before the meals because that's what we've always done. We pray at night because that's what we've always done. I want you to see prayer for what it is. God hears and responds to his people as they pray. This is vital if we're going to make a difference in our city. All right? So be watchful. And then finally, be thankful. Be thankful. Paul, again and again, in every letter that he writes to the churches that he planted, he's given thanks. So as we see God move, we need to give thanks. When we see people that are baptized, we need to give thanks for what God is doing. When we see Bible studies grow, we need to give thanks for what God is doing. When we see churches in our community that are communicating the gospel and spreading the gospel, we need to give thanks. When we go to Peru for a medical mission trip, we need to give thanks. We need to see God at work and give thanks for what he's doing. Now, that leads us to the message today. Number one, pray for our witness. So we've got pray this way, being devoted, thankful, and watchful. But then, pray for our witness. And there's three things here. Pray for one, an opportunity. Pray for an open door to the gospel. You see this in verse uh, 3, first part. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. Don't you find that interesting? That Paul is asking for an open door for the message. Where is Paul at this point? He's in jail, sitting in chains. I don't know about you, but I would be tempted to get the church to pray that I can get out of chains. But he's more concerned with what? The message, the gospel. It's more important to him than his comfort, than his freedom, than his safety. Isn't that an amazing testimony? And so he's here sitting in a jail cell, chained up, and he's saying, please open up the door for our message. In Acts 14, 27, it says, On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them, and now he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Something that God does. Next, 1 Corinthians 16, 8 and 9, it says, But I will stay at Ephesus till Pentecost, because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. Or in 2 Corinthians 2.12 says, Now, when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me. Isn't that amazing how Paul just keeps on having one door after another opened up to him for the gospel? Do you think God has stopped opening up doors? I don't. I don't. Anybody have a guess at how many doors we have in this church building? Well, I, I did a little research this morning. I started counting. I got the 50 and I quit. We have over 50 doors in this building, just on that side. It's a lot of doors. Some you want to open, some you don't want to open. Some you have no idea what's behind that door. Do you think, do you think God has more open doors for the church and spreading the gospel than actual doors in this building? I do. And it's not even close. So I, I did just uh, with our family, I think I counted, I got up to 12 just with our family. So Camden is at, I think all my family's in the nursery today. We had a lot of nursery workers sick. It's a lot of stuff going around. Thank you for being here. 
Make sure we're praying for our members, praying for our schools. A lot of fun stuff going around. Camden's at Goodridge Elementary. That's an open door, right? Parent-teacher nights, conferences, PTAs. Uh, we're teaching intramural girls basketball, fourth and fifth grade, building relationships with families. That's an open door for the gospel, right? We're trying to help them learn a game of basketball, but eternally speaking, how important is that? It's not. When they're 50, 60, 70, they could care less about dribbling a basketball. That would be my guess. But they will eternally care if they hear about Jesus. So, Goodridge Elementary, um, my wife and middle daughter, one of my middle daughters, are at Connor Middle School. That's an open door for the gospel. Uh, Connor High School, Ava's there. I'm at Holmes High School. I coach the football team. There's two open doors. Um, I try to stay in shape by doing some jujitsu, so I go to this place in Ludlow. That's an open, most of the guys there don't know Jesus. That's an open door for ministry. I live on Birch Avenue, that neighborhood, open door for ministry because I'm there. We have a building here, Ashland Avenue, Latonia. That's an open door for ministry. Ava works at Kroger. That's an open door for ministry. She sees all of the people. Wes, you did this awesome working at Kroger. Opportunities for ministry. We have a building on Oakland Avenue, open door for ministry. And that's just my family. And, and then you go throughout this room, people who love Jesus. We have open doors in Newport. We have open doors in Campbell County. We have open doors in Boone County. We have open doors in Northern Kentucky, Gallatin County. Door after door after door after door. Erlanger Lions. Like, like it just keeps on going. So many open doors. Now here's the point. I open this door. Does this make any difference to any of you right now? It doesn't. Not yet. But when the message is over, that door being open makes a difference for some of you. Why? Because you'll walk through it. We have all of these open doors for the gospel. And yet it's kind of quiet. This is my prayer for, for our church. That we walk through those open doors. That wherever you're working, obviously it's for a paycheck and to provide for your family, but ultimately, God's placed you there not by an accident. And I want you to see people the way the Bible teaches it. Without Jesus, there is no hope. It's an eternity separated from God forever in a place the Bible calls hell. Now, if I am standing on the shore safe, and I've got a buddy going down the river, and he can't swim, and I've got a life jacket, that I could throw to him and he could make it to the shore? How hateful do I have to be to not throw it to him? Yeah, I want you to see this. Something much more worse is coming for those who do not know Jesus. And we know the gospel. We know how Jesus has come and died for our sin. That he was raised from the dead so that we can have life in his name. That now there's no condemnation for those in Christ. Listen, I'm not holy. I don't get to spend forever with God because I'm good. I get to spend forever for, with God because of what Jesus has done for me. That's why we sing these worship songs. So what Jesus has done, that's the gospel. Don't assume, don't assume people are okay without Jesus. The Bible teaches something radically different. We'll come back to this in just a second. So number one, Let's pray for the opportunity for the gospel. And then never be surprised where God opens the door. Never be surprised. It might be on a plane. It might be walking down the street. It might be at the grocery store with somebody. 
You never know when the door might be open. Just walk through it. But then, secondly, pray to overcome. Pray to overcome. And I put endurance next to this. You catch this in the second part. So Colossians 4.3, so that I may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Now, real quick, it's been a long time. As a matter of fact, it was August, middle of August, when we actually talked about the mystery of Christ. This is what it is. Colossians 1.26-27. The mystery that has been kept hidden for the ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus is the mystery. How is a most holy God going to allow sinful people in his presence? Jesus' sacrifice. That's the mystery. We didn't know how that was going to happen. Now we do. And and so Paul says, so that we may proclaim the gospel, the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. He's suffering because he's spreading the gospel. Don't think. You have in your mind, I'm going to be devoted to telling somebody about Jesus this week. Don't think it's going to be easy. As a matter of fact, expect opposition. You see this all throughout the Bible. In 1 Corinthians 16, verse 9, Because a great door for effective work is open to me, and there are many who oppose me. That's what Paul always experienced. It's not easy. You have an enemy. Sin seeks to silence you. But it's worth it. Psalm 90 verse 12 says this, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Every year, uh, you guys remember this, football guys, uh, we talk about teaching to number our days, how fast the season goes, and we usually do this on senior night. Right now, Quincy, Mike, Sincere, Tucky, you guys are all young. No, you're young, right? But on senior night, what sticks in, Josh Cobbins? It's your last what? Last home game, right? Unless you get lucky and, and have a home playoff game. But somehow, it always hits home, where did the time go? You see, we think we have forever, and you don't. The person working next to you won't be there forever. You won't be there forever. The neighborhood you live in, you won't be there forever. Make a difference while you're there for the gospel. The school, where you're working, where you're learning, you won't be there forever. The class that you have this year, you won't have next year. So make the most of the opportunity that you have right now. In the United States, 2.6 million people die each year. It's over 7,000 each day. That's around 300 each hour. And most of them do not know Jesus. You see how urgent it is for these open doors for us to walk through? Are we willing... To share the gospel, or put it the opposite way, what will it take to keep you from sharing the gospel? If you haven't talked about Jesus, ask yourself why. Why haven't we talked about Jesus? And then ask yourself what would keep you from sharing the gospel. So we overcome obstacles, but then thirdly, pray for obedience. And this is verse four pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Or in Ephesians 6, 19 and 20, Paul, again speaking to the church at Ephesus, pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I 
should. That's a great prayer to pray for us. Pray this for your family. Pray this for yourself. Pray this for your church. That won't, we won't be afraid of sharing the gospel with lost people. I think it's interesting, as I should, talking about obedience. So we have chores at the house, and luckily we have so many girls, there's plenty of room for more chores. One of the chores that they have to do is clean the dishwasher. Now, let's say the daughter who's doing it comes to me and says, Dad, guess what? I opened up the dishwasher. It's full of clean dishes. There's 14 cups in the top rack, two sippy cups and a couple baby bowls. On the bottom, there's eight large plates, four small plates, and I lost count of how many spoons, forks, and knives are in the silverware drawer. I went over to the cabinet, and there's plenty of space for those dishes, Dad. Plenty of space in the cabinets. There's plenty of room for the cups, plenty of room for the plates. You don't have to worry about cabinet space, Dad. We don't need new cabinets. We've got plenty of space. And then she goes over to the towel, and it's dry, and it's clean. It doesn't smell yet. She said, Dad, everything is good to go. And then she sits down. She emptied the dishwasher? No. So many times when we come to the commands of Jesus, we treat it like that. We have strategy after strategy. We have plan after plan. We know how many people live in this neighborhood, how many houses are in this neighborhood. But you want to know what Jesus requires? Simple, faithful obedience. When he said, go and make disciples, all he's asking us to do is go and make disciples. And it starts with sharing the gospel. Danny Aiken had a, a quote on this, and it was talking about obedience similar to the open door. He says, God only gives us a chance to share the gospel, an open door, but he also gives us a choice to share the gospel. Our prayers for opportunities must be supplemented by a willingness and intentionality to share the good news. When's the last time we shared the good news? You know what our mouths speak of? What our hearts are set on? It's easy to talk about sports, isn't it? Easy to talk about politics, isn't it? Our mouths should continually be speaking about Jesus. I want to leave you with these, and then this will go a little quicker. Three helpful reminders in sharing the gospel. Number one, the gospel is of first importance. The gospel is of first importance. How many conversations do you have to have with someone before Jesus comes up in conversation? Look back through this week. How many conversations did you have? How many times were you on the phone, texting, social media, at school, at work, in your neighborhoods? How often did Jesus come up? 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. That is the gospel. And what Paul is saying is this is of first importance. We have to be clear on what the gospel is. God created us for his glory. Life is about God, not us. We are created for his glory. But our sin separates us from God. None of us, none of us earn our way back to God. He is holy, we are not. Our sin separates us forever. Because all eternity, working to become better, will not ever make us holy before a most holy God. Therefore, 
He sends Jesus, his son, who is perfect, who is holy, who says, I'll take your spot. And he's nailed to a tree. And he dies. And he's buried. But the grave couldn't hold him. God raises him from the grave. And he's walking around with his disciples for 40 days. And then after 40 days, he ascends to the Father where he is right now, alive and well, interceding for us. And one day he'll return to gather all of those who belong to him. And the last part of the gospel is, will you respond? Will you trust in the work of Christ? Will you follow him as Lord of your life? That's the gospel. And that's of first importance. There was an article, it's been a while. His name's Penn Gillette. Um, he's an illusionist, but he's also an atheist. And I thought this was very interesting uh, about how he spoke of the church and telling someone about Jesus. And you can let me know what you think. A few years ago, he recorded a video about someone who came and talked to him after one of his magic shows. He said the guy was about his age and participated in one of the acts as an audience member. The man complimented Gillette on, how the, on, on the show, then said, I brought this for you. The man held it up, a small book. It was a New Testament with the Psalms, something that could fit in a person's pocket. I wrote in the front of it, the man said, and I wanted you to have this. The man explained he was a businessman and he was not crazy. Gillette, moved by the man's gesture, recalled he was kind, he was nice, he was sane, and he looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me his Bible. I've always said, Gillette explained, I don't respect people who don't evangelize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe there is a heaven and a hell and people could be going to hell or not going to eternal life or whatever, whatever you think that reality is, and it's not worth telling them this because it might make it socially awkward he says this, how much do you have to hate somebody not to evangelize? How much do you have to hate someone to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? First importance, the gospel. We've got to get it in our conversations. People are desperate for God, and they can have him through Christ. Not only is the gospel of first importance, the gospel is powerful. Romans 1.16, you guys have this memorized. We're not ashamed of the gospel. Why? It's the power of God for salvation for all who believe. You know, a lot of times we say, well, I don't know what to say. Uh, Charles Spurgeon had an illustration. He goes, the gospel's like a lion that's in a cage. He says, you have this group of high schoolers coming in. And they're going to attack the lion. And we got to figure out a way to protect this lion. And so we get a group and, and we try to go meet these high schoolers that are attacking this lion. And Charles Spurgeon says, I got a better idea. Why not just open up the cage and let the lion out? The lion can defend itself. You see, we're so worried about what somebody might say, how they might respond. Let the gospel do what the gospel does. And watch how lives are changed for all eternity. And then we'll give thanks for that. I love that. Let the lion out of the cage. The gospel is the power. All you have to do is communicate it. And then watch how God uses it to change lives. And then finally, the spirit empowers the spread of the gospel. 
Acts 1.8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. You want to see the power of God in your life? Start sharing the gospel. And watch how the Holy Spirit fills you up with power to be his witness. We always take a canoe trip with our, well, usually our offensive line. And it's funny to see them on a canoe uh, battling the Little Miami River, which you can stand in for most of it. A lot of times your canoe is hitting the bottom of the, the river. But you want to know what? When we get on the bus, the bus always takes us upstream and not downstream. You ever wondered why? Have you ever been in a canoe or kayak and tried to go against the current? It is tough. Ain't going to make it very far. So you can do a two-mile, six-mile, eight-mile, 16-mile, but it's always upriver. Then you get your partner, get your canoe, get in the Little Miami, and you start floating down the river. And you know what? Sometimes the current's so strong, all you have to do is steer and let the river do the work. You know when it comes to witnessing, you don't have to know a lot. You don't have to be a good communicator. You don't have to be persuasive. You just have to be faithful. And when you're in the river, watch where the Spirit takes you. The Spirit will empower you to be a witness. That's why Jesus told the disciples, hey, wait. Wait until the power of the Holy Spirit comes to you. And then you'll receive power to be my witnesses here, near, and far. You're not on your own. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to know all the answers. You won't. The gospel is of first importance. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. And then the Holy Spirit will empower you to be his witness. That is awesome promises when it comes to sharing the gospel. Because it's not on you. It's not on me. But we'll see how God is faithful. And I'll, I'll close with this today. Uh, we just had the Marine Corps birthday. It was 247. We had Veterans Day uh, this past week on the 11th. And it's an amazing thing, the willingness to sacrifice a life for a brother or a sister in arms. Right? I looked up Normandy invasion. Do you guys know which beach had the most casualties of the five beaches? Juno was second. It was Omaha. The Omaha beach had the most casualties, and it wasn't even close. Do you know why? Remember the aerial bombing that went on? There was so much fog and cloud cover that they missed their targets. The heavy artillery was still there at Omaha. And so you have these soldiers that are let off these boats, and they are just wiped out. So there, I believe the official count, it's around 4,400 soldiers that died just in the invasion. Just in the invasion. 2,400 of them at Omaha. Out of all five of them, Omaha was the worst. Because of the cloud cover, the bombs couldn't reach their mark. Now, when you spread the gospel, you are in a spiritual war. And the way I see it is those sharing the gospel are on the front lines. That's hand-to-hand -hand combat. You're praying, you're working, you're serving, you're trying to communicate the gospel as clearly and fearlessly as you can. But you want to know what, awesome, what is awesome about it? At this church you have prayer warriors that are willing to say, hey, I'm going to take out all of these spiritual artilleries that are seeking to take out, and I'm going to be faithful in praying for you. Make sure our prayers are hitting the marks. Let's pray for opportunities to share the gospel.
Let's pray that we overcome obstacles in getting the gospel out. And then let's pray for some endurance. So you, you see up here on the board, you see up here on the board, when we have an invitation, we're going to be singing a song, but I want you to pray this for our church, and I want you to pray this for yourself. Pray for opportunities this week to share the gospel. Pray that you overcome the obstacles that will keep you from sharing the gospel, and, and then pray for obedience. Pray for obedience, and, and then pray that for us as well as we go throughout the week. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for gathering us this morning. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in us and in our city. Father, you're an awesome God, so I, I do ask for open doors. I ask for open doors uh, with the gospel for every person in the room. I pray that we love you more and more each day. I pray that the gospel is transforming us from the inside out. I pray that we're confident in what Christ has done for us. I pray that we follow him as Lord in every area of our lives that we submit to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, as a church, there's so many doors that are open. Where we eat, where we work, where we live, where we learn, I pray that we're faithful and bold in getting the gospel out. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.